breaking a leg. Breaking a leg, episode whatever the hell it is. Right, um, it's uh, the following weekend after nearly writing my show. I'm going to hopefully finish writing it today. But I've been doing a few things. I, was, I had to go to work yesterday, um, so I didn't get a huge amount done on the show. But I did manage to um, order a tote bag to carry a few props that I'm going to need in. A special one with a kind of slogan on that sort of relates to the show. And I also made this prop. If you can hear that. I won't bother describing it because it's kind of for a very local specific joke. I think it's going to get a laugh. And I hope so. Because uh, I spent all of 20 minutes making that. Now, I thought what I would talk about in this particular episode is what the hell am I doing here? Why am I documenting my process and why would you document performance at all? There's a whole um, sort of train of thought on live performance that, you know, its inherent liveness is to be prized and and uh, I'm reading a book about this at the moment and it's really interesting um, to do with how, you know, there's all this sort of uh, argument about about live performance being inherently live and it disappears and it's gone forever and yet you get things like touring productions of musicals which are repeated beat for beat in different cities around the world for performance after performance and in, in you know truly how is each performance different in something where the precise point of how it's been produced is to make it the same but of course stand-up comedy is different show to show and I think the main difference is even though you might actually repeat the show joke for joke, that it carries the genuine possibility of it being different because of something that might happen. Somebody might heckle, somebody might drop a glass, somebody might, uh, I don't know, a fire alarm might go off in the venue. Now, in, in a normal theatre show, that's a disruption. I mean, it actually sort of breaks the basis of what's being done in, in a conventional narrative theatre show. But in stand-up, that kind of becomes part of the act and it can be integrated and made uh, something really special in the act. I mean, you get people like, say, Ross Noble, who are absolute experts at sort of building that into the show, making sure that something happens that's particular to that night and then weaving it through the texture of the show. In most stand-up, it isn't quite so prominent. And in fact, in many cases, it might not happen at all. But it's the fact that it could, and we all know that it could, because we are active audience members. Um, so that's kind of interesting. And it's interesting in terms of stand-up DVDs, because uh, and, and, and other recorded um, performances, because um, what we hear when we hear a recording of a stand-up performance is not necessarily a recording of a single performance. Rather, it's because quite often for a stand-up uh, DVD shoot, you'll shoot the show twice so you can edit it better. So the final edit will be bits from two different shows. And you're watching this recording thinking this is a recording of a specific show. Um, but it isn't actually. It's a, it's, it's a recording of a show that never happened because it's a recording of two shows, but that are sort of 
like Frankenstein's monster sewn together and made into something new that that uh, that, that never happened in quite the way it's shown. I mean, you do get ones that are based on one performance, and uh, I think that Ross Noble's first DVD at the beginning it says the precise date that it was filmed on. I mean, I suppose that he could have done the show twice in the same night and and you know use bits of both, but. I know that he said that it was so that people kind of knew that it was a record of a particular show, not the show in general. Um, but anyway, um, so that's that's one thing. It's to do with the way that stand up is is has an afterlife as a as a, as a recording as, as a as a commercial project product. And of course, the other thing is that's part of the structure of being the job of a modern comedian you know is is that you've if you've got a recording of your stuff if you've got particularly if you've got physical media you know you've got a cd or you've got a dvd or something then that's something you could sell at your shows and that's an extra income stream um so if you go to a Stuart lee show for example who i think is one of the best people for merch um you, it's like a, a small branch of WH Smith's outside on on a table because you've got the books he's written, you've got um, you've got all his DVDs, you've got DVDs of related things that he's done, like um, the alternative comedy experience from Comedy Central Channel, which he curated, and and it's just a fantastic array of, of things that you can that you can buy, and the recordings sort of help to fund what is, after all, um, a, a, you know, a sort of small private enterprise within uh, consumer capitalism. Um, but I think there's another aspect of recording that I'm, I'm interested in. Well, there are a couple. Uh, one is that when comedians record themselves, which they do frequently, either you know on their phone... I mean, not all comedians do this, but a lot of comedians do. They record themselves on their phone or... you know, In the past, I used to take a, a little um, you know, cassette recorder, like a dictation machine... But I know you can trace this right back because Lenny Bruce used to record himself on on a reel-to-reel tape, which is why we've got so many recordings of him. And, uh, you know, there are questions about why you would want to document performance. You know, is it as a commercial project product, which I've talked about? There's, Is it as a record because you don't want it to completely disappear so that people can sort of tell what it is that you did when you did this live performance? But I think there's something else as well. And for a comedian, it's this, I might need to do this again, and it's really hard to remember. So, um, for example, I've got old set lists from when I used to do stand-up for a living from the 90s, and there's a couple of items on those. Most of the things I can remember roughly what the what the gag was or the routine, even if it was only in there for a little while. But there are one or two where I go, I have no memory whatsoever of what that is. So that joke has disappeared from the world unless I've got it somewhere on a tape. Now, Alan Davis did a very interesting series about stand-up back in 2000, I think it was. And it shows him preparing for a gig by listening to a commercial recording of his previous show. Because he's tried to remember it. And it's not the only instance I've come across of that. And in fact, I compare my students' work every week through the autumn term... And I have to do bits of material, really, to kind of introduce the shows. Uh, particularly, I do comic songs for various reasons. But sometimes the comic song has quite an important setup, or there's something about the way that the songs perform that is important in making it funny. So, as a weekly ritual, 
as well as rehearsing the song, I'll go and watch a previous recording of it. I have to record the students' work anyway for assessment purposes, and that's another reason, of course, to record things and document live performance. But I go back and I watch how I did it before so I can remember. And sometimes there's a joke, like last week I sang a song about David Cameron, which I'd rewritten slightly to take into account recent events. And... um, I, but I mean, I've been doing that show for about, sorry, that song for about three or four years now. And um, when I, um, when I, there's a thing that I do when when I'm introducing it, where I say something along the lines of, you know, you, you may have your own views of, of David Cameron. I certainly have my view of, of what he's like. But I've tried to make this song quite broad-minded and tried to make it a rounded picture and consider all aspects. Because on the one hand, I, I talk about his horrible, awful policies. And on the other hand, I also talk about his personality as well. And, I, you know, saying that now, you're probably listening to that and going, that's really, really unfunny. But I think I found that form of words the first time I performed it, and it, it kind of got a laugh. And I've done it every time since, and almost always it gets a decent laugh. So you don't know that until you've actually tried it with an audience. And you probably don't remember next time, because it, it's not that funny, but it kind of works with an audience, so it's worth having that knowledge. So, by the way, if you could hear dinging in the background, that's the cat scratching, it's the little bell on his collar, keeping it real. Anyway, um, yeah, um, what was I saying? Talk about documenting performance. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've sort of recorded myself regularly um, for quite a while. I started when I was comparing a, a, a weekly comedy show in, in Sheffield back in the 90s. I did it for five years. It's called The Last Laugh. And it still runs today, actually, The Lescar in, in Sheffield. But, um, uh, yeah, so I, I did a show um, for a diabetes organisation about six years ago. And it was based on an earlier show I'd done about diabetes. I should just explain both my sons have got type 1 diabetes so I'm sort of involved in what for want of a better word the diabetes community and I was asked to do this performance at a big diabetes event and I, and I kind of based it on an earlier thing but there was a lot of new material in there and I thought I won't record it because I'll never have to do this again and then of course they asked me to do it again um, I had to go out to uh, Disney World in Florida to do it a much bigger diabetes event and I was really kicking myself because I hadn't recorded it somebody had recorded bits of it um, and put them on YouTube which was really helpful Um, and of course I had things written down from it but things written down is not the same as having a recording of how it works in performance because it's all about making it into an encounter with an audience rather than it just being a script that you repeat word for word so you know uh, you need to know where the laughs are. the The other thing is you could use the recording to edit. I suppose what I'm trying to say is that documentation has a purpose beyond interpretation. You know, a lot of the discussion of the documentation of live performance is about to do with the nature of performance, or almost a philosophical question of what is performance or what is that thing of being in the moment. But actually, there's a much more practical, pragmatic reason for a comedian, which is, how the hell did I do this last time so that I can sort of try and do it as well as that the next time? Or better, you know, learn from the previous one. Um... And it's not it's not about re- reproducing it precisely because it will never it will never come out exactly the same way because you, you you change it every time you put it in front of a different audience it it sort of 
something to do with the inflection changes, I think. But unless you've heard its possibilities in front of a live audience, unless you know that that joke actually does work with live audiences, even though it's really slight, uh, you might just forget the joke or drop it. Um, so it has a sort of pragmatic purpose. Now, going back to this project, the reason I'm doing this podcast is to... to, to um, document the process of making this show which is quirky it's particular to me and in fact it's particular to this show there isn't a fixed methodology for making stand-up and that's because it's a highly individualistic thing and it's to do with a performer creating something with an audience you know creating these series of funny moments with and for an audience and it's very it's very pragmatic in that sense. I mean, you can see, you know, with, with live art or something, you might say, oh, this works, this doesn't work. But that's a feeling. That's just a feeling, an instinctive feeling that this is good and this is not. It's not testable. It's not really testable. I suppose you could test it by interviewing members of the audience about how much they liked it. But there are all kinds of problems with that. But you can say, I think this will get a laugh, and then find out whether it does. And of course, it doesn't necessarily happen with every audience. It's always always possible to die on stage. Uh, but it's very pragmatic in that sense. Did this get a laugh? Did this get applause? Or did it not? Did I get booked? Did I get rebooked? You know, and I think what that means is that, that stand-up comedy hasn't developed the kind of intellectual superstructure that, that say, theatre has or live art. Because you can come up, you can have practitioners or academics or whatever coming up with 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 sort of house of cards theories of you know building up concept on concept to sort of theorize uh, about how why something works but ultimately it's untestable because it's that's about interpretation rather than making it's not about production it's about interpretation but I think once you get onto the question of making, it's much more interesting. Oh, actually, I'm wrong about that. There are, you know, of course, there's all sorts of theories about making, about ways of rehearsing and things like that uh, that come from people like, you know, I don't know, going back to Brecht or whatever. But um, the point is that, that, uh, that stand-up resists that, I think, as do other forms of popular performance, because it's all about does it work? And um, so, so the way I'm making this show is different from the way I've done other stand-up shows. And the acid test will be, does it work? Um, and, and I've had blind alleys making this show. As, as you'll know from previous episodes, I tried to do the whole thing from notebooks, doing it in an old-fashioned analogue style, and found that it was too laborious. So today, I'm going to be finishing off, hopefully finishing off, the writing of the script. And what I've got here is my notebook with all... all you know, a ton of ideas in and some other notes here. And I'm going to be getting the rest of what I think is valuable into my Word document. And once I've done that, I've got, I'm going to make a plan of when I'm going to rehearse this. Again, rehearsal I've talked about before. It's not something that all comedians do, but it's the only way I can think of to A, know how long the show is and B, get it into my head because I haven't got the luxury of doing tons of previews. Anyway... Uh, that's the end of this episode because I've got to go now and write the rest of the show.